Ephesians 1.18, and this is gonna be sort of the theme verse 18 and 19 for our series um, over the next few weeks. Ephesians chapter one says this, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Now, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he's praying a prayer for them. And he's saying, my prayer is that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened that you would know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we just ask that you would come and speak today. Holy Spirit, you come and preach and teach through me. Um, I pray, Father, that you would be glorified in all that we say and do today, Father. Encourage your people, strengthen your people in the faith, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, we're starting a series called No Filter. No Filter. It's interesting when you talk about, how many got an Instagram account? How about this Facebook account for all the people over 40? (laughs) What you notice is, <laughs> what you notice is that when you post a picture, either on Instagram or now on Facebook, they give you the option for a what? A filter. And what is the purpose of this filter? Well, the purpose of a filter, usually you want to filter something because it needs some help. And you want to alter the original subject and actually make it seem to have more value than it actually has. Now, let me illustrate this because you don't even know this, but this picture right here is of Sonny. That's Sonny. Can you tell? Can you tell the, the nice little Andrew took the picture and did all that? But, but we just felt like just the picture of Sonny just wasn't good enough. So we had to throw some things on it and we had to kind of filter it and make it look cool. <laughs> Filtering, uh, fil- as a matter of fact, you can, you can hashtag uh, no filter um, on Instagram. It's, it's, been, it's been hashtagged to over 255 million times. Now, if you hashtag the, the phrase no filter, what that means is, is, is the picture that you are about to post does not need any help. It does not need any enhancement. It does not need any improvement. As a matter of fact, if you added a filter to it, it would actually take away from the value of the subject. And what I find many times is in our Christian life and what we're gonna be talking about over the next few weeks is that many times in our Christian lives, we actually have built-in filters that we view God through. Filters that many times you didn't even choose to put there and many times you don't even know it's there, but it shapes the way that you see God and the way that you see God will be the way that you live for him. Your view of who God is will determine the life you live for him. And so we're gonna spend some time talking about removing all of the filters in our life, all of the filters that we see God through. What are some filters that we may have? Well, let's talk about a few. 
Number one, you may have a filter uh, from the de denomination that you're from or, or church uh, liturgy, if you will, or, or a uh, religious ceremonies that you've been through, um, churches that you've been a part of, uh, maybe that over time has built an idea of who God is. And, and when you see God, it's filtered through that. Maybe it's your life experiences. Maybe you've been through some things. Maybe it's influences. This is a big one. Uh, mom, dad, pastor, mentor has helped kind of shape the way that you see God. If I'm honest with you, see, I, you know my story, a lot of you do. I didn't get really saved, like give my life to the Lord until I was 20 years old. And, and, and soon after that, went to Bible college. And I remember in those early days, um, just having a question about God, like, you know, I mean, growing up in church, I knew the Bible stories, you know, I knew, you know, the Sunday school stories, I knew those, but, but really, um, I, I didn't know the Bible for myself, and I remember calling my dad uh, years ago, and, and if I had a question about theology, and I would just say, hey, uh, dad, I'm just curious about this, like, what do we believe on this? And then he would tell me, and, and, and thankfully he's got good theology. But, but what I found is that really I was piggybacking off of his knowledge and, and theology of God. And God challenged me that I need to begin to see God for myself through this book right here. And so, and so what, you, what we realize is that parents, mentors, um, people of influence, they many times can filter the way that we see God. How about tragedy? How many times have you heard someone say, I'll never serve God because he allowed this to happen? And so all of the sudden, a filter goes up in their mind that says God is, is, God is either weak because he's not powerful enough to stop this from happening, or he's mean because he didn't do anything about it and he could have. Filter. Now, every time you think about God or serving him, it has to make its way through that. So we're gonna talk over the next few weeks about removing all of the filters, removing all of the filters, because God does not need to be enhanced, does he? He cannot be improved upon. Are you with me? He cannot be improved upon. We need, th th this church, this is why we are a Bible-believing church, because this is the way that we see God for who he is. This is the way, if you start to get some filters that come in, this is like the clearing of the lens that can remove the fog from your, your glasses. Years ago, I, the Lord gave me this series uh, in 2012, and I, and I preached it to our youth. And um, there was actually uh, uh, a sermon that I preached that's recorded that you'll never see. Um, and uh, I went back and watched it, and I was cringing because it was so bad. Um, and I just sat there as I turned it off, and I thanked the Lord for personal growth. But I had, uh, I think Noah's in the room. I had just recently, Noah, we were talking about our days in youth ministry and he said, 
do you remember this one specific illustration that you gave? He said, because I still remember that. Well, guess what? That was the illustration that I'm gonna give today. Uh, and it actually, it actually helped him understand this truth. But, but years ago, when I, was, when I was explaining this to the kids, I, it's, it's basically a progression that I wanna take you on. And it's like this, we need to, we need to see God clearly. Right, so we're gonna spend a few weeks on, on seeing God clearly. Who is God? That's the question we're gonna be asking over the next probably two weeks. Who is God? And then we're gonna move into who are we in Christ? You see, you can't really understand who you are in Christ if you see God through an inaccurate lens. So we're gonna say, who is God? Who are we in Christ? Then we're gonna say, what has he given us? We're gonna spend some time talking about spiritual gifts. And then finally, we're gonna land the plane talking about now, how in the world do we live this thing out? So who, this is, I'm just giving you an overview over the next few weeks. Who is God? Who are we in Christ? What has he given us? And then how do we walk it out? Why is this important? Because, because your view of God, if, if skewed just a little bit, will mess up the entire row of everything else. You won't really know who you are. You won't really have a good understanding about what he's given you. And you surely won't know how to walk out a life of freedom that Jesus purchased for you. And so it's very, very important for us to see God clearly, clearly. I always tell people, you know, when I talk to people uh, that, that are unbelievers, um, you know, I try to present him very clearly because if you're gonna make a decision on whether or not to believe in him or whether or not to live for him, I want that decision to be made on truth and not a lie. Now, if after seeing the truth of God, you make a decision not to live for him, that's on you, but let's make that decision based on the truth of who he really is. And he's not angry with you. Did you know that? He's not mad at you. He, he, he paid the price for you. He lives inside of you. He's given you gifts. And he's paid a, a, a price so that you could live free every single day. Are you ready to go there? All right, so we need to see God clearly because whatever you misdiagnose, you will mistreat. Whatever you misdiagnose, you will mistreat. It's important that we understand ourselves, the problems we face, so that we can actually begin to apply the right thing to our lives to get the result that we want. If you are struggling in sin and your answer to that is to try harder, you're gonna try harder for the rest of your life and be frustrated. Today we're gonna to look at who is God and uh, we are going to look at God's greatness and his closeness and how at the cross these two truths exploded together and why today I'm actually spending time talking about his greatness and then his closeness is because we many times, even in the church, minimize his greatness and take for granted his closeness. I see shirts sometimes that say, Jesus is my homeboy. And I'm just like, okay. I, I see what you mean by that, 
but make sure you're not minimizing him to this soft, fluffy teddy bear who, who is just nice and, and cuddly and, and, and your homeboy. Make sure you're also seeing him in his greatness and in his majesty and in the splendor of his holiness. Because I guarantee you, I'm already preaching, I guarantee you, if we could peer into heaven just two seconds right now, no one in this room would be going out and getting a shirt that said, Jesus is my homeboy. And I'm not, if you have that shirt, hopefully you're not wearing it today, but you know, I'm, not, I'm not hating on you. I'm just trying to bring some perspective. The greatness of who God is. What I'm gonna talk today about and seeing and removing these filters is that when we see, when we clearly see his greatness, we will appreciate his closeness. We will appreciate his closeness. This is the illustration that Noah remembered, and I'm gonna tell it to you today. Many years ago, my family and I went on a vacation and uh, we flew on buddy passes, which are horrible, by the way. Don't ever do that. Um, it's stressful. The worst thing you could ever do, by the way, is go on a trip with buddy passes and bring your kids. That's another story for another time. Uh, but we went to Hawaii on some buddy passes when I, you know, years ago. And so our layover was in the L.A. airport. And uh, we, we were there and, uh, you know, I just had to go to the restroom. And so I go into the restroom and uh, I'm doing what you do when you go to the restroom. And uh, all of a sudden I look over and lo and behold, going to the bathroom right next to me was LL Cool J. LL Cool, anybody know who LL Cool J is? Couple of people. Any like 80s and 90s babies in here all know LL Cool J. Now I think he's like acting and doing some other stuff. But, you know, he was Ladies Love Cool J. I don't know if that's what it stands for. I think it's something like that. LL Cool J. <clears throat> and I knew him. And I was like blown away because, you know, here right next to me peeing is LL Cool J. <clears throat> but because this was kind of an awkward moment, I didn't want to say, LL Cool J, what's up, man? So in my head, I'm like, how do I play this out? I really want to get a selfie with him. And, and, <laughs> which would have been even worse. <laughs> what made it even more awkward is that, you know, even you know, after we're finished, you, you can't, you, you just don't do this, by the way. Guys, I don't know how ladies are. In, in the restroom, you don't go up and say, hey, how you doing? You, there, there's, no, there's no shaking of hands in the men's restroom. It's a nod. It's a quick nod. Hey, what's up? How you doing? And that's all you get. You want to talk? We're going to wait. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> the point is, I was pretty impressed, and it, it impacted me, the fact that I was right next to somebody famous. I'd never seen someone famous like that before. So in my excitement, I walked out of the bathroom, and I went and I told my dad. And I said, Dad, you won't believe this. I just peed next to LL Cool J. And he said, LL who? <laughs> he had no clue who he was. And in that moment, I began to think if it was him in there 
it would not have made a difference to the person standing next to him because he didn't know things about LL Cool J that I knew. And so having LL close to him would not have mattered to him. But to me, it mattered because I knew some things. I knew he was famous. I knew that, I knew that a lot of people knew him and music and artists and all this stuff. And so being next to him was, was kind of important to me. It was a big deal. But for him, it would have meant nothing. He didn't even know who LL Cool J was. I think he said, LL Cool what? You know, just, I have no clue who that is. Why, what, what does this have to do with what we're talking about? It has this to do with it. Your knowledge of God in, his, in who he really is, in his greatness, will greatly affect when he comes close to you, how you deal with it, how you value his presence. You won't value God's presence if you don't appreciate and see his greatness. If he's just your homeboy, when the presence of the Lord comes to you, you will just treat him like your homeboy. But when you see him as the king of all the earth, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who spoke and galaxies came into existence, who knows the number of hairs on your head, some of us, and, 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 and knows your name better, knows you better than you know yourself, and, and sent his only son to suffer and die just for you. When you know that reality, oh, when his presence come close, oh, it, there's a valuing that takes place. There, there, let me say it this way, there's an awe that happens. And let me say this to you, church, I feel like we're losing our awe of God in the church today. We're losing our awe of him to be awestruck of this great God, this great God who loves us so much. His greatness in Numbers chapter 11 in verse 21, there's a story of Moses and the Israelites were frustrated at this point. They had left Egypt and now the Lord was feeding them with, with manna, like baked cakes, and they were getting tired of it. And so they told Moses, we're tired of manna. We want meat, like we want, we want medium rare ribeye. We need some meat, we're tired of this manna stuff. And Moses was frustrated, and so he begins to kind of complain back to God and, and, and say, how in the world are, are, are we gonna give them what they want? How in the world are we gonna be able to feed this many million plus people and give them meat? And this is where we pick this up, it says this, but Moses said, the people among whom I am number six, 100,000, that's men, on foot, and you have said I will give them meat, because then God says, you want meat, I'll give you meat. I'll give it to you. And so he says, I will give them meat, and they may eat a whole month. Verse 22, now this is Moses' response. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them, and be enough for them, or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them, and be enough for them? In other words, what he's saying is, this problem is too big for you, God. This problem, it's, I understand you parted a sea. I understand you did some magic tricks back in Egypt, but I'm talking about millions of people who want meat, and you're telling me you're gonna feed them for a whole month? This is too great for you, God. 
probably the same type of thing that we've said uh, before in our own lives. When life really, really hits and things are really, really bad and you look at other people and you see victory and then you look at your own situation and you don't see victory and you begin to wonder, where's God now? And this was God's reply. I just love this, by the way. This was God's reply to Moses. Is the Lord's hand shortened? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. Let me say it this way. The greatness of your need does not take away from God's supply because his supply never diminishes. In other words, he's saying it doesn't matter if it's 600,000 men or if it's 6 million or if it's 600 million. If I say it, you gotta hear this, if the voice of the Lord speaks it, it will happen. His supply is endless. I wanna encourage somebody today with this. We need, to, we need to remember the greatness of the God that we serve and know that he's in control. How many of you, that's just good news right there. God, God's in control. He's not on break, he didn't take, this is not his day off, he did not forget about you, he is great, he is mighty, he knows your name, he's with you, he's never gonna leave you. His arm is not shortened. I wanna read uh, just a few kind of theological words that I wanna really help make this point. You don't hear this kind of stuff talked about too much anymore, but it's very, very important for us to understand, especially as it relates to God's greatness. The first kind of theological word is the word transcendent. The word transcendent simply means, when it says that God is transcendent, that he is beyond or above the ordinary, he is surpassing everything else. He is above, if you can think about it, God's above it. God is greater than any other thing that you can even fathom in your mind. Not only is he transcendent, but he is imminent. This is important for us, especially today on Pentecost Sunday. God is imminent, to, that means to dwell in. You need to know that you are in God and he is in you. This is, this is He is imminent, he is, he is immutable. The God that we serve is immutable. Here's what that means. This is so good. He has never changed in the smallest measure. To change, would he would need to go from better to worse or from worse to better. He can do neither. For being perfect, he cannot become more perfect and to be less than perfect, he would be less than God. He is immutable. He is omniscient. Listen to this, this is the God we serve. This is the God that we gather and we sing about and we live for. God knows in one free and effortless act, all matter, all spirit, all relationship, all events. He has no past and he has no future. He is and none of the limiting, qualifying terms used of creatures can apply to him. He just is God. We need to see this. We, we need to have an understanding of his majesty. His majesty, Isaiah chapter 40. Can I keep reading scripture? Are you okay today? 
I'm gonna read it anyway. Isaiah 40 verse 25 says, to whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Have you not known, verse 28, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. God is great. We serve a great God. Let me ask you a question. Has God's greatness been filtered in your life? Has it been filtered in your life? Have you been seeing God a little bit too common and treating his word as common and treating his presence as common today, I want to encourage you to take another look at this great God that we serve and remove all of those filters because he cannot be improved upon. He is great and he is majestic and he is with us. He is with us. Not only is he great, not only are we looking at his greatness today, but I want to unpack his closeness his closeness. And I said earlier that when we can see him in his greatness, we will, we will appreciate his, his proximity, his closeness. There's a story in Luke chapter seven of, uh, many of you know the story of the woman who breaks the alabaster jar over Jesus' feet. I've talked about it many times. It's interesting because in this story, we see a filter. We see a religious filter that the woman does not have, and their responses to Jesus are greatly different because of the filter. Because remember I said, the way you see him will determine how you live for him. And so she busts up into a party she was not invited to, and she begins to weep and worship at Jesus' feet. The whole time the Pharisees are sitting there uh, criticizing the moment and saying, if Jesus, if you really knew what this lady was and what she had done, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't even be allowing her to touch you right now. And you know the story, Jesus continues on and he says, no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, those who have been forgiven much, love much. But those who have not been forgiven much, they don't love very much. In other words, it, see, God can't love anyone differently. He doesn't love you 50% and me, you know, 100%, although sometimes I think that. I had somebody, um, I was in Mexico this week, and, and one of the guys uh, that was trying to sell me something, I just started ministering to him, uh, and, and uh, he, he said, well, I'm God's favorite. I said, that, that can't be, because you know, I'm his favorite. Um, and, and so, but, but here's the thing, when Jesus said, those who are loved little, um, uh, or have been forgiven little, love little, he didn't mean, I have only been, I've only forgiven them a little bit, he meant their, their view, their view of the forgiveness and the love of, of God has been filtered so much that, that now it is keeping them from responding the way they should. 
And so you have a story here of, of, of Pharisees who are, who are critical and you have a woman who is worshiping. She, because she has seen his greatness and experienced his forgiveness, is now so in awe of just being at his feet. And yet the religious people had that filter, that, that maybe denominational filter, right? Maybe, maybe the religious filter. And they were trying to see Jesus through their past religion and through the law. And by the time it got to him, it, it was critical. I've seen this in church. Have you, have you seen people who come into church with critical attitudes? And then you maybe see somebody else who, you know, I, I've shared this before because, you know, occasionally it used to be second service a lot more. Sometimes it's more first now. You'll just hear people burst out in worship. Just, just burst out. Just, just shout or clap. Just, just, just you know, and, I, and some people were like, that's just kind of weird for me. It's kind of weird for me. Let, let me say this, because I don't criticize anyone's worship because worship really originates from the inside. But if I had to choose one, if I had to choose to worship with my arms crossed and mad with a sour face or, or just to be a little bit overly expressive, I'm gonna choose to be expressive every day of the week. Every day of the week, because I've seen his greatness and so I appreciate his closeness. What are some filters as it relates to uh, the closeness of God. Well, here's one. God is near us when we are good. But when we blow it, God backs away a little bit. In other words, God's closeness depends on our performance. Uh, let, me get, um, let me get my dad to come up here for a second. And uh, <laughs> he said no. I mean, you know, you're the founding pastor. If you don't want to come up here, you don't have to come up here. Just stand right here. Now, you know, he, he, he's going to represent God, right? And, <laughs> and the great, <laughs> I wasn't going to point at it. He's going to represent God. And, and I want to explain to you what we, how we have filtered God's closeness. Because God, when you were saved, how many of you would say, the moment you got saved, you knew God came to live inside of you? You, you knew that. But over time, what happens is, is that we, we, we blow it, don't we? Do I got any people who've ever blown it? Let me just know that we're all on the same page here. And it's not just me. Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> Here's what we think happens when we, we struggle. So let's just imagine I'm, I'm just living and God's right here with me. Uh, like Nathan said, Parakletos coming alongside. He's with me uh, because I'm serving him well. I'm going to church now. I love the church. I mean, you know, I'm even, you know, throwing some, some, some money up in the, you know, we don't pass a plate, but I'm giving and doing all the right things. So God's really close. But then I blow it because somebody at work said some things that they shouldn't have said. And so then I said some things that I shouldn't have said, and uh, now I just feel bad about it. So, so now what I feel like God has done is he's taken a couple of steps. And so now the natural, my natural response now, because I feel distant from God, would be to what? Would be to try to, to, to work really hard to get back over here to him. And so we, we do that and, and we'll live that way. And, and maybe, maybe in my pursuit to get back to where he approves of me, uh, maybe I take two steps, but then what do I do again? I, I blow it again. And then what, what does God do? He takes a couple more steps. 
And, and so now, uh, Tim, if you don't mind, could you unhook that chair and bring it up here for, we're just gonna have fun with this. So, so now, because now, just put it right there. Now what I did is I really blew it. I yelled at my wife and, uh, and I've been sleeping on the couch for two days and uh, this is not, didn't really happen, right? <laughs> I lost my temper, I yelled at my kids, I, you know, whatever. So, so now it's so bad, there's a barrier there now. There's something that, that, that I did, or maybe it's something that has happened. Now you take a couple more steps away, but not only now did he go even farther away, there's a barrier. So now when I wanna get close to God, I've gotta actually really try and step over this thing now. And, and just, just as I'm starting to get back over here to where I can reach God, I, I do what again? I mess up again, and he takes more steps away until finally he's so distant that I live my life in religion just going through motions because it's the right thing to do. But truly, if I'm honest with myself, there's a chair in the way and God is so far. When I pray to him, I don't even know if he can hear me. You see all the filters that have been placed and it could have been a pastor who was over preaching law to you and doesn't understand the reality of grace. And, and so there's a barrier, there's a filter and it could be this understanding that God's just moving farther and farther away. But whatever the case may be for you today, we need to know that God does not distance himself for us. Come on, if you take two steps, hang right here. If you take two steps back, you know where God goes? And then you take three steps over here and you're, and you're laying in your self-pity in a hole. Do you know where God is? You're stuck with me. He said, I'm stuck, I am stuck with you. <laughs> but that's okay. You're a pretty good guy to get stuck with. Thank you, thank you. We're gonna remove a filter today. God's closeness does not depend on your performance. God's closeness depends on Jesus' performance 2,000 years ago. Come on. Which means when you said yes to Jesus, he came and made you new and he now lives inside of you. The problem is, the problem is, we, we are content with positional closeness, just not personal experience. Mm. If I asked any one of you in this room, does God live inside of you? If you're a believer in Jesus, you would say. So to hear the teaching of the indwelling presence of the Lord. Oh, I got that. But the experienced side, did you know that God also wants to be experienced in your life? I remember a time when I was in Bible college and I was studying and I just was diving into theology and I would meet on Monday nights with some other guys and we'd spend four hours just, just debating and, and diving into deep theological topics and I just love that kind of stuff. I'm weird, that's why I guess I'm pastoring now. I remember, I remember one time very clearly though, I was in, I was in prayer before, before school started, before our chapel service started, and I caught myself in the middle of prayer going back through the debate that I knew I was gonna have that night with my buddies. 
And in a moment, I felt the presence of the Lord in a loving, convicting way say to me, Stephen, I will not be merely studied, but adored and experienced and loved. And in that moment, I knew something shifted inside of me. God is not, he does not care how much knowledge you have about him if you are not allowing by faith and the Holy Spirit that knowledge to sink down in your heart and, and make its way out into freedom in your life. That's why you could, you could go to just about any Bible college or seminary and find, and find professors that, that know the Bible backwards and forwards and are living in bondage. We have to understand his closeness. What a gift we have, church. What a gift we have of the Holy Spirit who has come so close to us. This sets us apart from other religions, by the way. This sets us apart. God is not distant, he is close. First John 4, 13, I'm gonna, I'm gonna land this plane here in just a second. First John 4, 13 says this, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world and whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God so that we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Whew. In just a few weeks, we're gonna unpack the idea of grace, but let me say this to you. I'm gonna, you have to know that God does not distance himself when you mess up. He, he does not jump ship and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe he did that. Unclean, unclean. Father, I don't know what we're gonna do about this mess over here that he's made. Maybe when he cleans himself up, I can get back in his boat because I can't be by a sinner. <laughs> I'm gonna, let me say this before I move on. You, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are not a sinner. Though you may sin, you are not a sinner. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and that fact never changes. And people say things like this, oh, but if you preach that too much, it's gonna be the greasy grace and people are gonna start sinning. And I say, no, 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 a true understanding of grace. Why? Because grace personified is, is the person of Jesus. A true understanding of grace always leads to righteousness, never to unrighteousness. If you, if you hear grace and then you go out with a license to sin, you've not met grace. You've, you, you've met a concept or you've sang a song about grace. But you haven't met him, his name is Jesus. The more you understand his grace, the more you will be like him. Understanding his closeness. So my question to you is this, do you value his presence? Do you value his presence? 
He is with you right now. I want you, everybody, just, just take a moment. Because I feel like some of you have so filtered this concept. He is with you right now. And you know what? There are, there are I, I've talked about this before, but there is the indwelling presence of the Lord, but then there's also the manifesting of the presence of the Lord. Do you, you remember you've been talking about this as it related to, to making, to, you know, throwing $100 bills? Remember I said this, the indwelling presence, right? If there, was a, if there was a billionaire in the room, he would be in our presence. This represents kind of like the presence of God, but if he made himself known, which would represent the manifestational presence of the Lord, it would be like that billionaire standing up with a wad of hundreds and just throwing them all over the place. And this place would go crazy, wouldn't it? Come on, it would. Y'all wouldn't be listening to me no more if somebody stood up and started making it rain. What was he doing? He was a million, he was a billionaire sitting there. But now he's making himself known to us that he's got money. This is the way God is. God wants to make himself known to us. He does not want us to just know with our heads that he lives inside of us, but to experience his presence every day. That's why I challenge you, get up early and spend time with Jesus. It will impact your life, I promise you. Do you value his presence? He's with you. Lastly, before we wrap up week one of No Filter, I just want to make the point again that his greatness and his closeness, how these two exploded together at the cross. It is so important for us, church, that as God continues to grow us and, and I believe over the next few years gives us a lot of influence in Pinellas County. I, this is something I feel like the Lord has spoken over me. We cannot conform ourselves, but we must keep the cross central in all that we do, in all that we say. We must be a church that points people to the simplicity of the gospel, that points people to the cross of Jesus Christ. If you're confused this morning, the cross is like, is like the lens cleaner. It, it, it's like if you have been filtered, you need to take it back to the cross and see him there sacrificing himself for you. The, the majesty of heaven coming down to earth. The majestic king of heaven and earth came and suffered on an old rugged cross. Please hear me, don't ever get tired of that story. I don't care how long you've been saved. You've been saved how many years? He said a lot. <laughs> Is that what happens? You just say, how old? I'm a lot. We can't ever move beyond the central message of Jesus crucified, risen from the dead, alive offering life to every person who would come. Don't get tired of that message because you know what, when life really hits you, it's not gonna be how much theology that you know, although theology is, is amazing. It, you know what I find is every time I'm really struggling, you where I go, I just go back to the feet of Jesus. 
And, and you know what I'm not doing? I'm not showing him how much I know and that I can unpack all of these great theological terms and, oh, did you remember God? I, I, I did study, you know, that whole study on Romans. It was pretty good, wasn't it? At, at that moment, what's most valuable for me is just the presence of God and to simply remember that I'm his child. And there are moments heaviness in my life or stress. You can ask my wife when I'm stressed, she knows it and she'll tell me, you need to go spend time with the Lord. It'll do you some good because she knows. When I'm just close to him, filters are removed. I see him. I know his sacrifice was for me. I know again now that I'm forgiven. I know that he, he, that I'm saved and sealed and I have the promise of the Holy Spirit inside of me. And then all of these truths start rushing through my spirit. Like if he's for me, who will never be against me? No one can be against me. His arm is not short to save. He is great and mighty and he knows me better than I know myself and he even knows my problems and he has not jumped ship. He is still with me and if I choose to go over here in the mud, he goes with me. God is great and yet he is close and these two explode together at the cross. Let me say this again. If you're confused, keep it simple. Keep the main thing the main thing. God is great and he is near and the cross has made a way. Would you pray with me today? Father, I am so thankful for your word. I'm thankful, Lord, for the Bible that is the great filter remover. Thankful, Lord God, that we when we get knocked off course, you are so gracious to us to lead us back into our identity in Christ and remember who you are and what you've done for us. I thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, that you'll, you can never love me any more and any less. Thank you that you're with me and you'll never forsake me. And yet I wonder in a room like this, might there be one person in here who's never given their life totally over to Jesus, just like I did when I was 20 years old, running as fast as I could from God, and yet he is faster than me. He is faster than me. And although I knew him, although I had been to church, although I had heard the Sunday school stories, it is not enough to, to know of him. You've gotta give him your life. And today, I, I wonder, might there be one who's ready to give their life to Jesus? If that's you, or maybe you're watching online, I want you to slip your hand up in this room right now. If you say, I need Jesus, would you pray for me, Pastor? Anyone at all? Don't walk out of here without knowing that you know that you know that you're a son, you're a daughter of God. This is what I wanna do. I wanna pray with those who are ready to make that decision, whether you're watching online or in this room, it does not matter. And I want all of us to pray this together. Say, Jesus, I believe. I think we need to say that again. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and on the third day were raised from the dead. And today I commit my life to you. Forgive me of all my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you stand as we give God praise in the room today? Amen. Come on, let's give him praise. You can do better than that.
Amen.